Right, nearly half time, pal. Your turn to get a ground round in. Off you go. No, you get this one in, mate, because I've got the beer sorted for later. What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one. You know that's not how the ground round works. Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN to get your first case of eight beers for just 5 95 That's www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN. Sound? Pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny Welcome to another episode of View from the Ninny and with me, Ben James um, We've got a treat lined up for you today um, It's an interview with a, a Cardiff City legend and we'll get to that later But first I'll introduce another legend to you, my co-host as always Tom Phillips. Tom Phillips, how are you? Very well, thanks, Ben. Not bad at all. How's Yourself? lockdown been treating you this week? Oh, well, it's the same, isn't it? Million dollar question. What have you yeah, done? Yeah, this is going to work. This is going to work so thin, isn't it? Asking mm. me this every week. No, um, one of my friends asked, after the last pod asked for um, a charity bin update, which I didn't think anyone would. A charity um, bin update? Oh, yeah. Remember, remember my, my yeah. live sport for people what who people? Just, what have people been putting in there this week? They're not now. So oh. what they've done is given up. So instead of trying to fit it through the, the tricky hole, just shoes all over the floor, mate. Just <laughs> bin bags everywhere. It's, they've gone to pot. They've given up. I think, I think it just sums up people's attitudes in lockdown. Just They, they were yeah. willing, first of all. I'll try and get in that bin. Now, cannot be asked. Thrown it everywhere, given up. Well, done. did you, at the start of lockdown, which was eight weeks ago now, almost now, did you have any good habits that you wanted to carry on through your lockdown have you oh, given up on those now because I had a lot a lot of writing I had a lot of kind of I went for a lot of runs um, I was baking and cooking not done a thing of that this week not done anything well my one was I thought I'd be the new Carol Vorderman and learn Welsh and um, <laughs> gone well <laughs> is it <laughs> I had a hell of a streak gone you know I, I did my dad and Duolingo thought here we go show off to him I did about I think I did like 21 22 days in a row it's pretty good going. Uh, Bendy Giddick. And uh, yeah, giving up on that. Uh, like you, I did a few runs. That's definitely not happened. But I'm, how, I'm I've been responsible, mate. I'm staying inside. How boring is running? I just can't do it. Like, I'm not I hate being it. funny. Like, I've never been, I've never been fit. Like, throughout my childhood, my teens, like, I played sport, but I was never fit. And I'll play five a side. 
badly and things like that, but don't make me run. It's shocking. It's no. so boring. I can't do it. And listening to this why... podcast makes it worse. I thought I'd do that. <laughs> Didn't help. That's why I'm a centre-half when I play Sunday League, because I don't have to go past the halfway line. Um, I'm playing goal now. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, you're even <laughs> worse than me. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, we're, we're going to try and keep this upfront chat quite minimal today, because we've got uh, a bit of a legend lined up uh, in, the, in the interview. Um, uh, you know, he's, a, he's, a, he's definitely a Cardiff City fan favourite. Um, uh, try and give some clues here that might help you. He's got silver hair, and he's probably shagged your wife. And you tweeted about it earlier on as well. And I tweeted about it earlier this week. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah, we've, we, we, we got Kevin McNaughton in for an interview. Uh, had a few discussions with him about um, lockdown, his Cardiff City career and everything else. But I think for a lot of Cardiff fans, and Tom, I don't know if you're the same as me, Kevin McNaughton kind of came in at the start of a, a really good period of being a Cardiff fan. You know, we had the glory years, if you will. I think like for me as well, I was 13, just to rub it in again, I'm younger than you, 13 when Kev joined. Don't so it's it. like the perfect eight. Thanks. But it, it, um, it's the perfect age for me to like, you, you really start getting into football and like in your early teens, you're really noticing the football that's going on around you. I got a season ticket, I think a year or two after he joined as well. So he was just, he, he joined at the right time for me to like fall completely in love with him as a fan. Do you know what I mean? And I didn't tell him that in the interview, no, not going to lie. Completely, bo- completely bottled that one. But you know, he, and I, he, he was just your typical player that Cardiff loved. He was a trier. And, and obviously, like you said, it was a purple patch for Cardiff as well. Like, we were playing good football. We just missed out on some success. But we had, like, Wembley trips under him. We, got, we finally got to the Premier League under him. And just everyone loved him. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a Cardiff fan who really moaned about him, to be honest. No, and I think, I think that's the, one of the unique things, really, about, um, about Kevin McNaughton in, in that sense is that when you look at, you know, people like Jay Bothroyd, Jay Bothroyd was brilliant for Cardiff, but there were a few fans who, no matter what he did, didn't like him. The same yeah, with yeah. even some, you know, even Michael Chopra to an extent, even though he scored plenty of goals for us, some people didn't like his attitude or the way he played. But I think Kevin McNaughton was just the most universally loved football player we had. Yeah, because like, the Bothroyd really used to frustrate me because the, it's not a fluke that he got an England cap while playing with us in the no. championship. And the bloke was class. And there was even players like Hudson that people didn't like. Yeah. Because like, I, I ended up getting Hudson on the back of my, he's the only player I've ever got on the back of my shirt. Uh, and that was because someone behind me kept moaning about him, and I thought it'd be funny just to get his name on the back of my shirt to wind him up. So you, so you did, you got, you got his name on the back of the shirt to spite someone else rather than because you liked him. Oh, I did like him anyway. I was a cent- at that time trying to be a centre half myself, so I, I really liked him. I thought, right, I'm did really going to try and wind this bloke up now. Did you ever get abuse for having Hudson on the back of your shirt? Because I happened to be once with a different player. Did it? I, I largely just kept my coat on. I think, but um, I am um, you this- before your time, I had Richard Langley on the back of uh, the shirt that we we had when we got promoted to the championship because I really liked Richard Langley because he was class for QPR and I thought he was going to be class for us, but it didn't really work out that way. And someone walking past me, bear in mind, I would have been, I can't remember how old I would have been during that season, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't an adult man. Someone walked behind me and said, um, just said, I wouldn't have that shit on my shirt, mate, and walked on. I was like, come on now. I used to have Richard. I, so Richard Langley joined when I thought it'd be a good idea to buy every single one of the autograph cards from the club shop. Oh yeah, yeah. And then I stuck them amid my own team photo. So I did it in like um, alphabetical order. Apart from I clearly fucked it up with G because um, Gavin Gordon got put there ahead of um, Gabadon. <laughs> so it just completely ruined it. I was just like, and I still hung up back in my uh, family home today, and I look at it, and it just like really grinds on me. I mean, it was a good time to be a Cardiff fan in any event. Yeah, sorry, that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's go back to that. Stop being mean. 
Um, so yeah, what were your kind of abiding memories of Kev McNaughton? Just, I felt like he had man of the match every game. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but sitting there, I felt like, yeah, Kev's man of the match. Yeah, Kev was man of the match. Like, it's not like he scored goals or anything like that, but he, he just put himself about, stuck his head in places that other people wouldn't stick their head. Um, just make tackles even on linesmen that other <laughs> players wouldn't do. And it's just, like I said, he typified what people wanted from a Cardiff player. But, and, and he was there for a long time. He, you know, he was with us in Indian Park. He was there in the, in the new stadium through the rebrand and stuff. And he was, yeah, he was just a cornerstone of that Cardiff team. And I, if, someone, if someone's got a bad word to say about him, tweet us or something because I'm yet to find it yet. Yeah, same here, to be honest. And I think every, every Cardiff fan I've spoken to had said that we were speaking to Kev and we're doing an interview with Kev has either sent in a question, said to ask him, you know, sent in a question, said to tell him about their favourite memory or just said, God, love that guy. Wish he was still playing for us kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how good he'd be now. But... I don't know. I think he'd still do a job. Yeah, we, we should have asked him to put the, put the on, boots really. back on for us, yeah. Yeah, maybe when the season returns, he can come back in. Yeah. Well, we're missing a few Scottish now. We haven't got many hanging around anymore. Got yeah. Patterson and stuff. We need to get get them all back in. Do you think? I guess. I guess that's a question. Um, and sorry to cut you off, but I'll forget this question if I don't cut you off. Do you think Patterson is a bit like Kev Mark II in a sense that he's, you know, perceived as a bit of a nutter, puts his head in where it hurts, is Scottish, has grey hair, and is just an all round seemingly cult hero? Yeah, one hundred percent. It's that like people like a player who seems slightly unhinged. Yeah, oh, of course like, you do. Love it. No, and like, yeah, and so you see them have a laugh on on a night out and things like that, and like in the in the parades and stuff that we touched on with him. Like people, like people love Patterson because he he's got the dance moves. He's got that MD twenty twenty thing, whatever it is. What's it called? What's the name of that drink? MD twenty twenty. Yeah, oh, nailed it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, he's just That's... clear. He's a bit clean off, isn't he? So, and they like to see that in a player. And he's not. I, I know that this is a big thing. He's not English as well. I think that helps instantly. I think you've got to work harder if you're. We love. There's a lot of English players we love, but I feel like you've got to work a little bit mate. harder. Where Where was Where was Callum Patson born? Oh, is that why I've dug? Is that why I've dug a hole? Born in, he was born in London. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but that doesn't oh, make you English. Oh, that's not going into this national identity. No, I know it doesn't. Yeah. But it's just them. Um, I, I right. kind of. Yeah. Anyway, right. sorry. There we are. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. So I guess without further ado, we should jump into the the Kevin McNaughton interview. It's something we're calling uh, a catch up with a, a lockdown legend, as we're all in lockdown at the moment. Um, we <laughs> nice. thanks, mate. Good. Well, good I you have, to exp- you have to explain that then. Just, I know. Just in case I don't you know why. There, we're, just in lock- in case any- we're in lockdown at the moment. If you're listening on Mars, um, I guess you know the things to look forward to in this interview. We touched on quite a lot of stuff. We talked about his move to Cardiff, how that came about his experiences with the, the notorious Cardiff chairman over the years, people like Sam Haman, Ridsdale. Um, we talked about the FA Cup, League Cup, everything. Everything. So um, I hope you guys enjoy it. The View from the Ninian. Right, welcome back to The View from the Ninian. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome the one, the only, Kevin McNaughton down the line. Kev, how are you? Yeah, all good. All good. Just um, like everybody else, just, probably just stuck in the house, just trying to stay safe. Yeah, how are you keeping busy? Uh, well, today was just sorting the garden out, so it's just been a long day. We've got sunburnt as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you've got a bit of a red face there. Yeah, yeah, I see the pretty ugly one. Uh, so you've been, uh, you, you've been driven that far to Borden that you're joining the podcast with us. So I think we get to say thanks yeah. for joining us once yeah. again. Um, obviously, we've seen that you've been raffling off all your shirts and everything else. You got any more shirts to raffle off? Found anything else from your days at Cardiff that you're going to offer up to the fans for the raffle tickets? No, that's me. Uh, well, <laughs> Tapped out. I don't have any more stats anyway. 
Yeah, I had about eight strips that uh, raffled off, but I've, yeah, if I'm lucky, I was strips now, so I'll need to, I don't know, I'll need to dig, <laughs> and dig up a pair of boots or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's always something a Cardiff fan will take, I'm sure. Yeah, um, Let's. I if we take it all the way back to the start, I think um, obviously we're gonna we're gonna run through your Cardiff career, talk about the, the everything that you saw during your time at Cardiff, and then we have got some fan questions at the end to round it off. Um, obviously, you joined Cardiff back in two thousand six, and I think something we don't really see as fans is kind of the full transfer journey from how you got approached, how it how the move came about. Um, we just wondered really how, how you know how you got approached. When did you first hear of the move, and were you entertaining offers from anywhere else at the time? Yeah, well, my contract ran out while they're doing. Um, I was allowed to speak to other clubs at Christmas, but didn't really speak to Cardiff even towards until really towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, had, a, had a few clubs, um, a Dutch team, a Norwegian team, and a couple of Championship teams, and one. I think Watford were on and on as well at the time, but. It was it was just Cardiff were pretty much ready to sign us. They, they were probably the one that seemed most most keen. So the plan actually was just to go down and chat with them. But I kind of already made up my mind that when I went down and chatted, I was basically saying, "This is what we've got. Would you be happy signing?" And I ended up signing on the day. So um, yeah, so it was, it was yeah, it was pretty, like I say, I think Cardiff were the ones that were. They seemed the most key, the keenest mm-hmm. anyway get the get the transfer done and dusted. So for me that was important, and it was a three year contract as well. So it was a bit of stability for me as well coming down south. So yeah, everything just sort of, everything sort of just fell into place. Uh, I know it's not exactly moving from the other side of the world, but how did you find moving down from Aberdeen to South Wales? Was it a bit of a culture shock? Was it tough for you? Nah, nah, don't. Well, it was my first move, so, so in terms of football, it was, it was obviously a bit different. Um, but in terms of Cardiff as a city, I loved it. I, just the people especially were all so welcoming to me. Um, it helps. Obviously, had a half-decent start with Cardiff, um, yeah. which obviously helps. It got bedded in pretty quickly. Um, and then... Yes, so settling in was in terms of football was easy, off the park. Loved the city, and it was my. I was twenty three at the time, and it was my first sort of move away from from Aberdeen. So yeah, I loved it. I loved every everything about it. I liked in a in championship that sort of challenge as well from Scotland. Um, obviously, there was you're sort of aiming for third place, really badly old firm. So. For us, going for the pushing for the playoffs, pushing for mm-hmm. the promotion, which it was always always felt like we were playing for something, um, which was a bit different as well. Where did you when you first moved to Cardiff? Where did you you live? I know there's players there was player flats in kind of like Cardiff Bay and stuff. Was that where you first rocked up? Was it Cardiff Bay or did you pick somewhere else? No, I, I went I went uh, just off Butte Terrace, right in the centre. Oh yeah. So I was I was slap bag. I think it was across from a cinema. Um, so I was, it was when I first moved down. It was, oh, it was such a warm summer. It was like thirty odd degrees, and we were we weren't that far away from the train station. The room never had air conditioning or anything like that. So we had to keep the windows open. But 
every morning at about half six, seven o'clock, the bloody trains used to just go here. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually torture for the first couple of months, and then uh, uh, I moved out towards uh, Margam beside Port Talon. Don't really know why, but uh, I was. I like to be out the way, sort of the, the football club and things like that, which is yeah. similar now, which is. You know, where I live just now is basically out in the sticks. So I, I, I like that sort of living, just being out uh, away from everything. So that was similar to that. Yeah, no trains to wake you up in Port Tal, but maybe the steel works. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, a bit... go, going back to that time, obviously, Dave Jones was a season in, and I think Sam Haman was still involved in the club. Do you, do you remember much about Sam Haman? Did you deal with him much? Because I think we always, as fans, always heard the most outrageous parts of Sam Haman, like making Spencer Pryor eat sheep's text, testicles and things like that. Was there anything of that when you were there? Well, I went to sign. I just remember going to shake his hand and he just like grabbed us and put us in a headlock and then <laughs> uh, yeah, just went for high fun and everything else. Was, who's this guy? And then um I just remember a lad called Mick Alford who was there, who was uh, he was a bit of a liaison for the players and stuff. Uh he said to me, just be careful, have a look in your contract for things like that. The last that. Because he's uh, he's quite prone to doing stuff like that, but he was he wasn't there that long. But the little time I I was there, he was always good to me. He was always really you know he was a bubbly character. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were playing some decent stuff at the time, so um, yeah, he was he was good. He was I always I seen him raging a few times. We come in at half time. He come he actually came through the change room at one point. Uh, just sort of stormed right through the change room. <laughs> half time. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know why, but he went through at to the toilets and then he came back, stormed through, swearing and language. <laughs> 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 was just, uh... but that was him. He was just a bit of a, he was a bit of a wild card. Yeah, he was. I mean, I, my memory of him was him being carried off the pitch against Leeds with his eyebrow dye streaming down his face. So I think he was. Uh, he had these big bushy eyebrows that were always kind of darker than his hair. So. Um... <laughs> That's what all, a lot of Cardiff fans see with him. And then obviously um, your manager was Dave Jones. And I think we always got the impression from the outside that Dave Jones was a bit moody, um, a bit of a kind of um, curmudgeon in that sense. What was he like behind the scenes? Was he that moody? Was he more cheerful than he ever let on? Um, he was just a fairly laid back guy. He never, never, it was strange. I know a lot of people didn't really like Dave. Dave was always all right with me. I was always... I always felt like if I was fit, I was going to play. So mm-hmm. if you if you're playing under a manager like that, then it, it's good. You enjoy your enjoy your time. Whereas you know I've worked under other managers where I knew I was always sort of up against it because the rate is that much. So um, yeah, he was he, he was a bit of a, I wouldn't say he was moody. He was I think he had a few boys that he just locked horns with at times. Yeah. Uh, and you look, you all, the thing with Dave, you always looked after the sort of guys who were always in trouble. So, <laughs> you know, he's he one of them. He just he could put his arm around the boys who were also no good. So, um, whether that in the end cost them really, because, you know, it was a, I think a lot of guys got, just got free reign really, what to do, whatever they wanted really, which, which was good for the atmosphere and change them. So, that, but what, for me, they just wouldn't, probably weren't enough discipline 
uh, at times. Not all the time, but certainly at times it was probably could have been better. I think maybe we'll get to that a bit bit later on uh, when we get to the the end of uh, the Dave Jones era. Yeah, but obviously under Dave Jones, you had the the FA Cup final. You scored in the wrong end against Chase Town, the right end against Hereford. Um, what was the run like as a player? You know, doing the club song, dressing up as Danger Mouse, and all that. That one with it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's like I was a big FA Cup fan when I was younger. Just uh, obviously watch the big, uh, just watch the day. It was always it was on the TV for basically the whole day. So yeah. I grew up with that. So to be a part of it was unbelievable. Just even. So getting fitted out for uh, club suits and you know just the actual build up to it because the season finishes and then you've got a little break so you've got the whole build up to it. But the whole run itself, it just sort of fell. It just opened up for us. We got a half decent draw. We only, I think, Middlesbrough was the only Premiership team we played apart from the final. Um, so it just opened up. Yeah, but we seem to play well in the cup that that season. We didn't play that great in the league. We sort of struggled a wee bit in the league, but yeah, we had a good campaign, and it was um, in terms of the cup. And yeah, just at the end in the final, just felt like it was it felt like it was there for us. And we never really, yeah. I don't think we actually played that great in the final. Just not really created too many chances, and I, I didn't think they played particularly well. But um, yeah, it was just one of the, it was a great experience. Someone that I never thought I would be a part of when I uh, certainly when I moved out anyway. How gutted was it just to miss out to like quite a soft goal in the end, coming that close? Yeah, that was a disappointment. I think that's why I was. You know, I said before the game. I said to myself before the game, you know, just have a good crack at it and hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we'll come out on top. But whenever, yeah, it just felt dis- I felt disappointed in the end. Just purely because I felt like we had an opportunity there to win it. If we'd, uh, you know, it's this, this, a mistake in the end. It's cost us, but you know, it was it was not a lot in the game. I don't think it was any major. We didn't have many major chances. I remember I actually the half chance right was near the start of the um, first half, but just me being me, we weren't exactly prolific in front of goal. So <laughs> <laughs> was it two goals in your time? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's just the thing you shanked it. Just <laughs> Despite yeah. the disappointment, did you, there was a parade and everything afterwards. How how did you enjoy that, or were you still disappointed? And do you remember much from the parade and everything and the celebrations? Yeah, it was mad. I didn't expect that, to be honest with you. Um, obviously, we we came back the next day on the bus. The boys were having a few drinks, and I just thought we'd be a bit of an anti-climax. Really, just turn up, and would be a lot of people there. Um, so. I think we came across on the boat to to Cardiff Bay, and as soon as we got off the boat, I was like, "Wow, thousands upon thousands of people there!" It was just, you know, the atmosphere was great. You know, obviously, it was still a wee bit worse from there from the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember Tomo going up on the stage and starting playing, playing guitar. I think he, ah, he, he murdered his own song. It was horrendous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a few famous photos from that day of you and Tomo kind of arms wrapped around each other, and I think there's a few bleary eyes there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, the night before was even worse. That was uh, that was funny. Yeah, was, it, was that kind yeah. of obviously because it was kind of the end of season? Was it kind of like a an end of season celebration wrapped up with the FA Cup final? So obviously it was a big release in that sense. Yeah, no, it was weird. We went and obviously came back to I think it was Chelsea Harbour. We had to sort of after party. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it was a bit, obviously, when we first went in, it was a bit anticlimactic and, you know, people were just sitting with their families having a drink, but sort of as the night progressed, it got a bit better. And, uh, I just remember um, my dad was, my dad had a flight the next day and he, he was, uh, he was half, he was steaming. So I just put him <laughs> up in my, to sleep on, uh, to sleep on uh, the settee and then I nipped back downstairs and a guy captured me on the way downstairs and said, um, you're going to have to put your roommate to bed. Um, and then <laughs> ended up being Tomo. Oh, it's a long story short, I just ended up dragging him by his... I actually had to drag him by his legs at one point along the corridor to get him to <laughs> teach him. Brilliant. Yeah, it ended up in a Japanese door and his missus was there. And she had a little one in there at the time. It was like, bring him in. So I'd actually drag him by his legs. <laughs> Yeah, that was good fun, obviously. But disappointing that we never did it, but it was a, some experience in the end. Yeah. I think, obviously, after the the um, FA Cup, we, we kind of saw the, the emergence of Peter Ridsdale at Cardiff. And I think it kind of was, a from again, from the outside into fans, it seemed like a bit of an uncertain time at the club. Um, obviously, the club went through takeovers and everything else and all the time you were there. Was there any ever kind of, moments where you felt unsettled as a club or you uh, as a player sorry or you heard that the, the money was running out that kind of stuff really that always seemed like that at the end of every season we obviously we seemed to just sell our best player um and whenever we you know the money that came in never you know never went out the way as well we never you know we didn't shell out too much money to buy players we just seemed to pick up we actually, one thing Dave did really well, I thought, and his time was just manage the team in terms of bringing people in whenever, you know, most, most of the end, end of the season, we were always losing one of our best players. So um, we did really well to actually remanufacture a squad the next season. Um, and yeah, it was obviously the whispers of money in terms of, you know, Peter bringing in money for uh, season tickets and stuff. And then, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I think then, that, was, uh, that was the story I was thinking of. Obviously, he got all the money in for the season tickets and said it was for a player. And then I think he put it on the tax bill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think if he'd have been, I don't know if, if he'd have been honest about it, would, would people have bought the thing? I, I still think they probably would have actually bought the season tickets. But I agree. I just. I just think it was quite a bizarre thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I guess that, that leads itself quite nicely into the next question, which is just about Peter Ridsdale. I mean, his reputation, obviously, at Leeds and everything else came before him and he came to Cardiff and took the club off from Herman. And what was he like as a, as a person? He, he always came across to me. I, I, I remember being sat next to him once in a, a pre-season game and he was very agitated, very passionate and a very kind of fiery guy. Was that, was that true of him behind the scenes as well? He was great with the players. Yeah. In my experience, he was always great with me. Um, just really friendly character. Really wanted the best for the boys, but um, I think he just—I just think he ran the club on a bit of a knife edge. Really, it was, um, so he's had—he's been a part of other clubs where it's been a bit like that as well. So yeah, I think he's maybe he's, he's passing, but on his way of some of the judge, financial judgments at times as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he was—I yeah, really, I really like Peter. Um, I never really had any run-ins or any bad experience with Peter. Um, I think it was, 
it was always quick on track sorted out as well with Peter. It was, you know, it was fairly straightforward. And yeah, I would say a lot of bad things about them. Obviously, there's stuff that I never seen that you know, in terms of financial debt and things like that went on behind the scenes. But in the end, he was one of the he was part responsible for sort of bringing in Malaysian guys and yeah, uh, which obviously in terms of clearing the debts and you know putting the club in a sort of financially stable position um it's obviously that's that's what those guys brought in yeah so during that period you obviously moved from ninian park to the new ground but what was it like to play in ninian park and have you got any favorite memories from playing there loads of memories and loads of great memories i it was my favorite ground to play at um, throughout my career just purely because of the atmosphere and you know it was an old school sort of stadium um, whether we were playing on a Tuesday night or a you know just the, the atmosphere seemed the same that was the, that was the thing that sort of that I enjoyed most about it whether it was uh, you know a, you know what it's like a uh, cold sort of Tuesday night when there's yeah. even when the, the stadium wasn't full we still felt like there was an atmosphere that was the thing I enjoyed about it um, but there's, there's a few games when I first came I think uh, Birmingham at home. Uh, I think we won. Th- I think we won three 0 or three one against Birmingham favourites who go up at the time. And I just remember it being a great day and everything went for us. We played them off the park really, and I, the atmosphere of that game was unbelievable. So I was like, I had been a, I hadn't been involved in sort of an atmosphere like that um, for a long time. So what was it like then moving to the new stadium? Was it a good thing overall, like moving to better facilities, or did you miss playing in the, the atmosphere like that? Do you think it had a, a good effect on the team moving? I think it just had a, a bit more of an effect on the opposition. Than it, that, than I enjoyed that. I think all the lads enjoyed playing at Ninian Park. Um, the facilities obviously were, were top class now at the new stadium in terms of, you know, <laughs> you could, you know, we could barely swing a cat in the changing room, the home changing room at Ninian Park. Yeah. But, uh, but in terms of facilities and that, it's unbelievable, uh, the new stadium. But yeah, I, I just think for opponents, you know, like to Arsenal, we played against Arsenal and Spurs at Ninian Park and we drew both the games. It's no coincidence that teams, especially the bigger clubs, didn't enjoy going there. So it would have been really, really good to actually have had a, a, a season in the Premier League at Ninian Park. That would have been. That would have been unreal, I think, and it would have certainly some of the teams coming down to Ninian Park wouldn't have enjoyed themselves. It would have been carnage. I mean, because obviously we remember the Leeds game where Leeds came in 2002, I think it was, and that's that's the most ridiculous game of football I've ever been to for aggression, for fans being on the pitch and all that kind of stuff. It was just insane. Yeah, I could imagine it being, that's one thing I think was a bit disappointing when I never got a chance to do that. that, that would have been a bit special. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if we managed to get up to the Premier League and then stay up on the final day or something at Indian Park, I think it would have been a riot. <laughs> <laughs> the um, yeah. Obviously, the, that, that first season in the new stadium, we had the playoffs and um, the highs against Leicester. What was that Leicester game like? You know, the, the penalty shootout, um, it, it was insane, right? Yeah. I just remember us, the start of the game, we were absolutely flying. I remember just thinking, we're going to win this by three or four. You know? mm. All of a sudden, we just kind of, I don't know what it was, just a bit of the tempo in our game just kind of stopped and they scored. 
out of nothing really, and then they scored again, and then suddenly we were actually behind. It was it was quite scary. And then again towards the second half, we just put the foot on the gas again, and we were actually, you know, we're probably in the ascendancy in the end. But again, towards the end of the game, it just sort of died out again. But I just remember the per- the penalties. I was, just, I was a bit. I don't even know if I could. I could look. I I came off uh, the last fifteen minutes or something like that, an extra time. Um, so I was on the sidelines, and I just remember, you know, I, I don't even know if I could watch this. Uh, and I, I don't. I don't even think I was watching it when when uh, Marcy saved it. I wasn't. I didn't realise how bad a penalty it was until I seen it the next day. No, that was that was going to be my next question. It kind of goes slow motion, doesn't it, when he takes it? Like he seems to get so little power behind that flick. Yeah, I think um, if you're going to do that, you know, you've got to score because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's not something I would ever do. To be honest with you, not not that, not with the world was at stake, especially. Um, but it's just one of the yeah. There's probably there's better players that have missed penalties. Uh, just the fact that he tried the, the open air, it just never... <laughs> yeah, looks even worse, doesn't it? Yeah, it doesn't look great. Would you have taken a penalty if you'd been on, or is that just never in your in your game? I'm sorry, well, I, I only took penalties in friendlies, really. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'm one of, I'd quite happily take the penalty. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a penalty expert, but, um, you know... All right, the ones I've not, I've not missed. I've only taken about four. Hundred <laughs> percent record. Yeah, one friendly though, so there was a wee bit more pressure on that one. But no, nah, I would put my name. I think I can't remember the Crystal Palace the semi-final. I think I was down as sudden death, one of the sudden death. And um, I guess then the, the the follow-up from the Leicester game was the the Blackpool game where kind of everything that could have gone wrong in that game did go wrong. Um, did you think that was kind of like the chance for Premier League promotion gone or was it just a, a kind of bump in the road in that sense? No, I was, I was gutted. I really, it's probably one game where I look back on and just wish you get to play again. It's just, just, it's one of those days where just nothing went right. I just, yeah. Yeah, just couldn't get to grips with the game. We even found ourselves up, up twice. And even the second goal goes in, I think, you know, that we should that should steady the ship a bit. But we just we never really settled in the game whatsoever. Um we struggled a wee bit with their formation. I remember just we're quite gung ho, but we I just didn't didn't think we exploited that uh, exploited their weaknesses as well as we could have. And we just found ourselves struggling at times to deal with what they were their the sort of the way they were playing. Um, Obviously. Obviously, we say about the things that went wrong. I think, obviously, the, the turning point for a lot of fans was when uh, Jay went off injured. Um, was it, was your reaction on the pitch one of your heads dropping a little bit? Were you a bit kind of, you know, did you think that was it? Or was it just something that you had to deal with? No, it's just something you have to deal with. I think um, the thing with that, the squad we had at the time, I, I always felt that we had a good starting eleven. We had one or two boys, really good backup players. But the one thing we didn't really have a lot of depth uh, in an attacking sense, especially obviously up top, I think it was, was it Kelvin that came on. Who, yeah, Kelvin. He barely featured. I think he'd only played about, I don't know, three or four games and came on. and He was actually just trying to get up to speed. So it was a, it was a tall ask on him coming on. And, uh, 
tried to produce something. So yeah, that that was that was a blow at the time. Um, but it was just one of them things. We just you know we didn't have enough in the end. Uh, I think had a half chance. I think Joe had a half. Joe or Chops had a half chance, and it just went past the post. Uh, keeper made a mistake, and that just kind of summed up. Really, it was um, just was not our day. And we never really looked at the second half. I think we just with the the heat as well was. Yeah, I remember it being so hot. Uh, the tempo of the game drops so much the second half. I just found it so hard to just to get to grips or even have a go. It was just, just. I I just remember coming off the pitch being absolutely drained. I was like, there was just nothing left. Yeah, I remember. I think it was one of the hottest. It was over a hundred degrees at pitch level in terms of Fahrenheit, and I remember everyone saying it was one of the hottest playoff finals they they'd seen basically. Um. Obviously, moving on to the following season, um, the, the following season was kind of over, not overshadowed, but it was all about Craig Bellamy, right? Obviously, he came in in the summer and was um, was as Craig Bellamy as Craig Bellamy is. But I think, what's he actually like behind the scenes? What's he like as, in training? What's he like as a player? In training, there was, there was nobody that trained harder than him. I just thought he was one of the, probably one of the best professionals uh, I've come across in terms of his work rate and things like that. His, you know, his dedication to training is, you know, second to none, really. Um, just, he just never had really had a filter in terms of what he said. It was just whatever was on his mind came out, which is, for some people, it was all right. But some people, he rubbed up the wrong way, which, uh, you know, there was times I used to just think, you know, there was, there was actually no need to say that, but that was just him, just somebody did. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, the, yeah, he robbed a few boys up the wrong way. I think even a young lad, one of the young lads actually robbed him up the wrong way. Just, I can't remember what it was. I think he was in goals. <clears throat> young lad was uh, in goals and Craig asked him to stay behind and just to, to save some free kicks. I sat him out for about five, ten minutes and then the young lad just went, that's me, I'm going in. And Craig said, no, no, just wait another five, just another five, ten, and that's us. And said, "No, nah, I'm just going in," and then just he just lost the plot. <laughs> <And> just, uh, <laughs> yeah, and he just, I think the young lad started having to go back at him, which wung them up even more, and that was it. Really, he was, he'd, he'd think he started seeing red. Yeah, I mean, it's quite quite brave going up against Craig Bellamy. I think um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to get into a row with him because he's just like you say, he's just got absolutely no filters. He just goes off the leash. Yeah, he's yeah, he's got that. Um, He's, he's a fierce competitor as well, though. Which is sort of guy you want in your team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I mean I mean that season we we had him, Chopper, and McCormack. It was uh, obviously an insane season. I think the, one of the main questions we've had from people on Twitter was that just how didn't we get promoted under Dave Jones? I think he, you know, looking back, he assembled probably the best team we've seen in our kind of lifetime. He had strikers that we would cry out for now, but it just never came off. And do you think there was any particular reason for that, or was it just a kind of Perfect storm of things. I always, I just start, you know, look back on a few of the games and a few scenarios. I think we we just, we're quite a one dimensional team in terms of, you know, we just, we went out there just the proper win the game. You know, we were quite all out attack, really, looking back. I was playing 4 4 2, pretty old school, uh, two proper wingers and, you know, two strikers. We never, looking back, we maybe, maybe should have really adapted our system a wee bit. And, but I, th- I think the one thing with Dave, he always wanted to get the best players on the pitch, which 
you know, players out on the left, which for me, you got more of them when he was playing through the middle, but that would mean you would have to drop chops or Jay. Yeah. yeah, there was a few things where I just thought, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice maybe not putting one of your best players on the pitch just to actually, you know, see the game out, have a better team performance in the end in which, you know, looking back, I think we were fairly rigid and fairly one-dimensional. And if it wasn't working for us, I think we yeah. struggled. I think we really struggled to find a plan. After that, obviously, Malky Mackay came in and it seems there was a, ter- a change in terms of professionalism off the pitch. You hear little things about wearing club tie and timekeeping and things like that changing. What was it? What, what was the change like? Did it change? Yeah, it was uh, fairly regimented after that. Um, just, just little things. There was a lot of little things that, you know, might seem quite anal, that, but it was just the way things were. We weren't. We all had to leave, get off the bus exactly. You know, everybody had to get straight off the bus, uh, straight into the change rooms as whenever we were away. Um, I can't remember. We wore tracksuits and things like that, but we just things like timekeeping. We always, I think, everything, you know, was just fairly strict. It was nothing. I don't think it was anything too outrageous within that. We just. I think Dave wanted a uh, proper relaxed atmosphere in, um, in terms of, you know, people want want to come in and enjoy themselves, uh, enjoy training, enjoy coming in. Malky's, you know, I don't think any of his rules stopped that happening. Um, we actually had a little, in the end, when we went to the new changing, uh, the new training ground, we, all, we had our own little room where we, we used to, and things like that so we still built that sort of camaraderie through little things like that but yeah I, I would say probably the some things were in terms of your physical condition um, body fats and you know every single thing in terms of sports science there was probably a bit more of that it was you had to weigh yourself before training weigh yourself after training um P tests, vitamins, and also so. In terms of that, there was a there was a, probably a lot more of that. Um, but you know, a lot of boys were doing that anyway. So yeah, there was yeah, there was it was obviously a different a difference. But for me, it wasn't anything too extreme. How did the second cup run um, measure up to the first? Uh, obviously, the the next one being in the league cup final, a lot of close games on the way. Um, did that the novelty worn off at Wembley, or was it just as special as the FA Cup? Um, it was, it was, it was special. Obviously, playing against Liverpool as well, a massive club. Um, yeah, just it was just one of them games that again you you feel gutted because you've missed out. But I don't think we, with that one, I wasn't as disappointed because. I just felt we couldn't have given any more. We couldn't have left mm. anything else on the pitch. It was one of them games where you're kind of in the lap of the gods when you come up against, you're playing penalties. Um, and it was just one of them situations. You look back, maybe a couple of people out on their, out on their feet. I think Rudy, Rudy was, could, could struggle to jog. Really. I, we decisions in terms of maybe him not taking a penalty, that was the only thing. Obviously desperate to take a penalty, but if I was watching him the last five, ten minutes, I'd probably say, listen, Rudy, just, just sit this one out. 
Um, Jez just came on the long of the pitch, uh, took a penalty. Oh, was that one of them things, penalties, you can't really, probably nitpicking like that, but yeah, it was, it was again a great occasion. It just felt like because it was still during the season, I felt we, we struggled for a few weeks after it. I think the disappointment obviously yeah. crept a wee bit into our league form around that time. We had a, a few tough games. I think we played West Ham straight after that, and then we had a couple of tough games after that. So I think our form actually dipped after that for a little bit, which obviously affected us a wee bit. It felt like that season, um, obviously, we got to the playoffs and, and lost that in the playoffs um, uh, to West Ham, but it felt like we just had. A very small squad, and it just felt like the it had taken it out of the players. Obviously, the League Cup was a few extra times. We had the didn't expect to get to the playoffs, p- perhaps, but we had maybe a core of 15, 16 players who seemed to play every game. And I think it did. Did you get that sense as well that it was just a step too far that season? Yeah, we were. Um, I think the team itself were just really workmanlike. We had the. It was a sort of totally different. I remember playing, thinking it was sort of totally different vibe in terms of the way we played and stuff like that. We were really workmanlike, and we ground out a lot of results. And um, again, we were pretty steely though at times in terms of when we were under the cost, we seemed to we dug things out, um, but we missed that wee bit of maverick edge that we needed. That was probably just just missing in terms of you know, your likes here, Boothroys or your. You know, these sort of characters that were that was just we were short a wee bit. Yeah. And I think obviously the the end of that season kind of for fans all hell broke loose a little bit with the rebrand and um everything that went on there. I I I don't really know how much any player has spoken about it really, but I think the, the question we've got is kind of did the club approach you about the rebrand and what was the kind of process like behind the scenes? Because for for fans it just that West Ham game happened and then we were gone to red. It broke straight after the game, but I just I don't know what happened behind the scenes, really. No, they just um, I remember Hudson mentioned something about it. Said he really wants to have a go next season. It's uh, going to pump a lot of his finances into the club, but he's he's made a few demands with that. And then obviously the strip thing came out, and then. From there, it was, you know, obviously the news broke that that was happening. But from my memory, did he not retract that statement? But then, yeah, he did. He, um, yeah. he, it, it kind of all kicked off. There were a few meetings. He said we won't do it, but the finance won't come with it. And then within a couple of days, it, it changed again. It was just a, it was a mad few weeks. Yeah, that was, I think we were. I'm pretty sure we'd have been away on my holidays at that point. But I, th- I remember just coming back thinking. You know, just wondering what was going on because it was obviously whispers and things. And then the next minute, it was obviously pictures of the new strip in the newspapers and stuff. Uh, and then it was obviously a lot of furore from the fans about that. And yeah, it just it became a wee bit ugly behind the scenes, obviously. But at the same time, you're just trying to be as professional as you can. So it's it's a difficult it's a difficult one. Obviously, you could feel that sort of you could feel that vibe. There's obviously a lot, lot of fans that probably don't go back to the club now. That still sort of, mm-hmm. still got that sort of feeling towards the club because of it. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think that's what we've seen. I know certain fans who haven't gone back um, as well. I guess um, 
you said that there was a few kind of meetings with players and things like that, and you say you just got on with it. Was there ever a, a chance that you kind of raised it with the, the borders an issue, or did you just have to try and get on with it in, in the most professional way? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we had really an option. I think it, I think the only problem was, I think pretty much every player knew at the time that if you sort of blocked horns with the owner, then you were gone because there was mm-hmm. so many staff. There was so many staff at the time that that did that, and they were basically within a week they were out the door. So I think there was a, obviously there was a hint of that for myself. I, that's that was my overall feeling anyway. I think if you, you sort of pushed against it, you were you it was a hunt. It was a probably a high chance that you were going to be out the door. To be honest with you, so it was yeah, it was it was really strange. It was. In terms of the players going in as a, a group or anything like that, I think there was never really any any talk of that. It was just a few individuals who, who obviously, there was a lot. There was a lot of new people coming in the door as well. Yeah. So it's obviously quite strange for these boys as well. <laughs> yeah. Straight into like this high pressure situation. Yeah. So in the end, it was just the case. Obviously, seasons just gets up and running, and you know, there's we left the club to, to deal with sort of what was going on behind the scenes and you just become you just get into training and it doesn't yeah. concern after that after a while you just sort of get on with it On a personal level what did you actually think of the kit and the badge that came with it did it change your feelings about playing for the club or anything like that for me it, it never changed the way I felt about the club or not. Um, it just I, I remember them actually putting out Putting out this strip and thinking, you know, they've, they've actually—it doesn't look like they've spent a lot of time on it. To be honest with you. That's what on film, but just uh, I just think they could have done things a lot better. I, th- they, I mean, even could have had that as a second strip, you know. And even even then, you could they, you could have said, you know, can try and play this, as, use the red strip as much as possible. I don't think the fans would would have been too happy about that. But at the same time, you know, you're still original, you know, blue. Well, that's your that's your club sort of that's the club identity really. Mm. Um, obviously, it led to the promotion to the Premier League. Uh, did it take the gloss off it for you at all? Uh, uh, looking back now, and then being a part of the second one. Well, not being a part of the second one, uh, but being there, I was there obviously on the day with the second promotion. Yeah, probably looking back, it's probably probably does it. Uh, doesn't sit as high for supporters because obviously we're wearing the blue strip the second time so yeah maybe looking back now at the time it just felt brilliant because obviously mm. being at a club for a fair length of time and that was my goal when I my goal joining Cardiff was to get promoted so in terms of that it didn't really take the off for me because uh, you know there was a, a lot of disappointments rolled into the sort of emotions of actually getting there so that's all was going sort of through my head at the time. And like you say, getting to the Premier League was obviously the main aim. I guess that season, the, the Premier League season was, you, you were kind of in and out um, involved in the in the early part of the season, but then you, you made your kind of first Premier League games. What was it What was it like to make those, your Premier League debut? Yeah, it was, it was bizarre circumstances. I was obviously, first month of the season, I'd worked, I knew it was, I wasn't really in the picture, but, um, I got offered a year 
and it was kind of I just it seemed like a bit of a token gesture here. So, um, signed it. Thought you know, I'd sell ultra fit over the summer um, and give myself a chance. But within about a month, I knew it was kind of peeing into the wind really in terms of going to be playing. So. I think they'd signed their fifth right back since I'd come yeah. <laughs> I think it was about four or five guys in front of me. In the end, um, I played a couple of cup games and then I think somebody came, it was Dougie Friedman came to watch and ended up going up to Bolton on, on mm. loan for a, a good few months. But when I came back, it was... Yeah, the, the the week leading up to uh, obviously my first game, I, I wasn't even training with the, the first team lads. I was actually just training with young lads, and you know I would plan to go. I had to to wait a week before I could go back alone. So uh, uh, my plan was just at the end of the week was to just go and ask to go back out alone. But strange circumstances that, um, that obviously manager gets sacked. Um, and then two two right backs get injured on the Friday before the Arsenal game, so I, I hadn't even brought my stuff in to, to travel to Arsenal. I hadn't travelled all season to any of the, the games, so I had to go and drive back to my house, get on my, my kit and stuff. And then um, yeah, so next thing at the Emirates was starting for Cardiff, so it was really really quite bizarre and quite strange circumstances. Then obviously played a few games. Which uh, obviously on going back to Bolton, so I was I was happy just you know be be back involved, and then within about uh, three weeks he'd signed another right back. <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point, I think it was about six right backs at the club. I was like, oh my god, it's just uh, yeah. And then I played about five or six games. I think I played all the hardest games there could be in the, the Premier League. So and then. Uh, <laughs> Of yeah, then we had we had home at home, and then I just got dropped and never got back. Really, <laughs> just a, a a vote for your confidence, really, that you wanted you for all the hard games. Yeah, just keep me in there. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that was me. And then yeah, so it was just one of them things. Obviously, we as fans, we like to give Ole and Solskjaer um, a bit of stick. Um, and the question, it's a very blunt question. Was he actually a bit shit? Well, what did you see of him that was any good? Um, he's, training, he's training that. Like, I think he took all his training methods from Sir Alex. Uh, in terms of like, so it was just, we, we didn't really do warm-ups. We just did boxes. We did like possession boxes and then went straight into someone else, straight into someone else. Um, I think the one th- I just think he was just struggling for experience at that sort of level. So yeah, I think he, in terms of the, the coaching staff he brought in, were uh, guys who worked with him at Man United. So again, there was probably I'm not sure if anybody in within that group that had coached really high level in terms of you know Championship or Premier Premier League. I think so. It was all. I think he was had a bit of a tough time adjusting to things, um, and in the end, yeah, he, 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 I I didn't enjoy my time under him really. I don't think it was quite a lot of guys who didn't, but I wouldn't say anything particularly 
bad about him. There was there was nothing. It was just in terms of how he would approach it and things like that. I, I found really strange. He just he'd really approach it some of the sort of most inappropriate times. I was like he, he dropped he dropped me as I was getting my pre-match meal. Uh, at, actually, as I was going to get it, the chicken and beans at the time, and just. And told me you're not in the squad today, Kevin. <laughs> I was just like, oh, give us a, oh, a couple of bits extra toast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I remember Don Kelly got up straight up to you. How awkward. I remember Don just said, How awkward was that? Like, <laughs> he told us about five or ten minutes, they just can have a word with you or something like that. Just like scooping my beans on my plate at the time. Just like, All right, no plan. Okay. <laughs> so, it's just yeah, he did a few things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think you know we're a bit probably a bit harsh on him as um as football fans, but I mean what football fans aren't harsh anymore. Yeah. Um, I think obviously the, rounding off this kind of uh, section, I think you, you you're quite uh, at the club at the time. You had four trips to Wembley, promotions, Premier League football. Um, but what were kind of like the things that you pick out from your time at Cardiff? What about the the, the main highlights? Maybe apart from the obvious ones. Um, well, the obvious ones are obviously the FA Cup and the thing, uh, promotion. But other than that, it was just how I, in terms of settling actually in, in Cardiff, was a real highlight in terms of how sort of grew roots. Really enjoyed living in the city. The people as well were always, you know, were brilliant to me. One thing I enjoy is, is going back just to watch games. Um, you see a lot of faces that. You know, even the work in, in and around the club, you know, there's a lot of good people working behind the scenes that, you know, they probably don't get appreciated as much as, you know, they should do. Yeah. Um, sort of the backbone of the club at times, you know. But, but things like that, you know, and even like Sanerian Park, that was a real highlight, you know, was, in terms of, it's probably my favourite ground playing at, so over, over my whole career. So things like that, just a lot, lot of little things in it. You know, it was obviously a big decision for me to come down to Cardiff because I had a few options as well. But looking back, it was obviously the right the right call. Um, it just it would be nicer to make the Premier League a wee bit earlier, sort of. Yeah. yeah. In terms of how I was playing and stuff, probably wasn't playing my best at the time. So it would have been nicer to do. Yeah, we all dreamed of the, uh, the Premier League a bit earlier. Um, we've got some some... Uh, fan questions and also some questions from from players as well. Um, so the first one we'll start with is um, I don't know if you remember him, Jay Bothroyd. Um, he's <laughs> asked who really was the best at COD, Call of Duty, obviously. He knows who the best is. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I remember right, you, you had like a big COD school, right? There was a few of you who always played. You'd always jump on with the headsets and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I was a yeah. Looking back, I just I played that far too much. Um, yeah, just, yeah, I got I got really good at it. Jay. Jay was one of these guys who just flit in and out, and just you know, he'd wait till he actually did really well, and then just leave. You just leave your chat, you know. <laughs> Get loads of, like if you then he'd come in the next day. How good was I? And then he's like, Jay, you played for about five minutes. You won one game and then you left. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I was decent. I was uh, it was me, Gabriel. Jay Chops and uh, Wee Burke as well, Chris Burke and a few other boys who we were right into it. 
Uh, Chops used to, oh, Chops was a nightmare. I used to just like message it daft times, you know, coming on COD. And I was like, Chops, just, I was lying in my bed here. I was just waiting to go to my bed. Yeah. <laughs> like 12 o'clock at night, you coming on COD. It's like, no, no. <laughs> it's bedtime, Chops. Yeah, that's what I think he'd come away with. Yeah, but no, nah, I, I, he knows I was the best. Glad we could put that to bed. Um, yeah, I can put that to bed, though. We, we got, had a question from Dave, David Palmer, and I think this has its roots from something you posted on Instagram recently. Is How did everyone get on with Juan Cala? See, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't mind Juan at all. Just, I just remember one day, he wore this rugby top into the training ground. and um, They both followed each other on Instagram, so I tagged them saying... Uh, Juan, when are we going for a game of rugger? <laughs> it just didn't see the funny side of what I see the heart. Just like no respect and blah blah blah. I was like, oh my god! I was one of these people. See, if somebody just didn't take a joke, I would probably I just made I would actually go again and again. And yeah, again. yeah, prodding. Yeah. So looking back, I shouldn't have. So I was, there was a few things I just started slagging him about, and I just oh, I just seen red. So. I feel like if I had no issues with him whatsoever. I just found it funny that he just reacted the way he did with some of the things that he was doing. Uh, but looking back, probably shouldn't have, shouldn't have stirred him as, as much as I did. Uh, Matty Aztec has tweeted in and uh, asked, have you got any regrets in your career? Uh, not really. Just Things probably could have worked out better with Scotland. I never really... I never did. I never really played my best when I was when I played in Scotland. And why that was, but uh, yeah, just never, just never found my way into the team. Never really struggled to get into the team. So I wouldn't say it's a regret. It just was one of them sort of things that never quite happened for us. Did you have injuries at the wrong time in Scotland as well to miss out on a few yeah. times? Oh yeah, it was a few times I had probably the chance of starting. And I pulled my hamstring just. Time and some of my injuries wasn't great. Um, in terms of Scotland, especially, I got knocked out a couple of times when I was actually again going to join squad. So it was, yeah, the timing of some of the injuries were horrendous. Is it is it true that you were you were you meant to make your debut, but you were dropped because you were too nervous? I read that somewhere. Yeah, it's a weird one. It was um, I had Bertie Volks as a manager, and I, I remember having a I remember had a Bad training session, which, to be honest with you, I was, I was pretty prone to having bad training sessions in terms of work rate or anything like that. Just, you know, in terms of daft things. I remember just having a bit of a shock at a training session. And the next, I don't know if I got lost in translation, but he, was, he basically just said, oh, he's too nervous to start. But never told me. So I, it was all done through the newspapers and I just came back to all this for and the newspapers saying you've been nervous and things like that so I just it was weird and then I played the next game I played the next game and then about three weeks later I played again um, and then he took us off at half time and said exactly the same thing <laughs> Got a bit of a hypothetical question here but say there was a cup tournament um, devised and Cardiff drew Aberdeen in the first round. Who, who would you be supporting? <laughs> Tough, eh? it's, uh, it's probably had more enjoyable times in terms of 
achieving things at Cardiff. So I've always, obviously, I've got probably stronger ties in terms of that. But um, yeah, I've probably up to lean towards Cardiff, even though, even though you know Aberdeen gave us my chance, and you know I've got a lot of time for Aberdeen as well. It's somewhere where again, just I look, I look out, always looked out for their results, things like that, and how we were getting on. So. Yeah, probably just something about Cardiff where, you know, just felt at home. Pretty diplomatic answer. That was a bit diplomatic. <laughs> Looking for controversy here. Um, Tom, Tom Carter has asked a couple of questions we covered already, but the, the one we haven't covered is the, the best team night out you ever had at Cardiff. Best team night out? There's a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> the cup final was... Yeah, cup final was good. There was, oh, was so many, but the cup final, obviously, there's the sort of story of that. But it was funny the next day, was, um, we were coming back on the bus. My mates, um, one of my mates is a QPR supporter, and he asked me, that he gave me this horrific retro QPR strip and asked me to get Trevor Sinclair to sign it for him. <laughs> <laughs> everybody, everybody was steaming on the bus. But Trevor signed it, but he's in up wearing it for the rest of the trip all the way back to the camp. <laughs> <laughs> we, got, we got him to recreate his overhead kit on just hanging on to the seat scoring. <laughs> 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 like I took a picture of him with a QPR top, sent it to my mate, and my mate was just like, tell me that's not him wearing that strip doing an overhead kick. <laughs> he was absolutely made up. Yeah, but that, there was a mo- oh, so many great nights out. A few times, Tom was quite. Tom was a bit of a nightmare on a night out. I think he was up from everywhere in Cardiff. Just he was a, uh, and it was one night. Yeah, he was a loose cannon. It was a bed dog sat on the table when we were drinking. When he poured it over Willow Flood's shoulder. <laughs> oh no! We floodies and are sort of a angry man. So he was going mental. It was just. <laughs> just remember, oh, just carnage ensued after that. But he was oh, Tom was a nightmare. Jason Mohammed has asked, what's the best free kick you've seen oh. go over a wall and into the back <laughs> of a net? I guess you've had this before. Peter Whittenham against Leicester City. That's what I'll say. Yeah, that's the correct answer. Sorry, J-Mo. And then um, we've got a question from Pete Johnson. And I think it comes back to what you said about getting knocked out a few times. Was there ever a game where you didn't land on your head? No, oh, scary. Yeah, Try to think back how many times I've been knocked out. Actually, <laughs> once at Aberdeen, the goalkeeper missed the ball, punched me in the face, and knocked me out. It's just, it's just bad luck, got, isn't it? Got an incredible knack getting like sort of really obscure. Yeah, it was one. Yeah, the one game I got knocked out twice. Well, I, I was close to being knocked out, and then two minutes later, Huds, you right in the side of the head, just. That, I went to head it and he just like came out of nowhere and just made me like to say that. Next thing I was just getting, all I can remember was just getting, uh, just seeing the dog waving as with it. I had a net brace on at the time. I was like, oh God, what have I done now? Um, yeah. So I wasn't, wasn't very lucky in terms of that. Two scars <laughs> on my head. I've got a scar here. It's actually, before I'd even played a game for Carter, I got about nine in my head. Uh, in Canada, uh, playing against Seattle Sounders, 
head-to-head collision and burst me. just remember feeling this red blood pouring down my face. I had to get nine stitches, and that was, yeah, that was probably the second appearance for Cardiff, so, yeah. <laughs> Set the tone for the rest of your career. Pretty much. Um, we've got a question from uh, Louis Burrows, and he asked about the Sean the Sean Massey incident. Um, I, I guess that's a, something that I remember at the time. Obviously, you ran into Sean Massey against Middlesbrough. Um, I remember it being the main headline on the Daily Mail, and I think we, were you surprised by the kind of fallout that came from that? Because I remember it during the game and thinking it was pretty innocuous. It was just something that happened, but everyone seemed to go quite big on it. Yeah, so like the incident itself from. My memory, obviously, after I seen the video, it looks it looks probably it looks a lot worse. But uh, I just at the time, I was all I was thinking of was don't put your foot on the just yeah, if you see it where I'm saying to put my foot, I just was time not break my ankle. To be honest with you. So yeah. my head actually looked my foot, and then I've touched the ball to come in, and then I thought all I'm thinking is just try to keep the ball in. At the time, I thought she stepped across me. <laughs> Her fault. <laughs> so I just kind of walked off, just like raging at the time. And then uh, it was—it wasn't until after it was, yeah, it was the next day. I just seen like sort of newspaper headlines, and then it was actually one what I said. There was a rumor that was part of this and there and things like that. Wow! Uh, just like made things like things were sort of made up, so. And then I watched the video again, and I was just like, "Oh, I've just, I've just absolutely, you know." And it actually, I could, I agree. I looked at it as well. It looks like I've done it on purpose. So I was, I was like, "Oh no!" And I, it was a few things. Oh, it was a few it was, things got sent to the club. Got lots. I got a few letters sent to the club. Wow! So, really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because I, 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 I remember I remember it being specifically the the main headline on the Daily Mail, and I thought, wow, that's a bit far for something that seems so innocuous. But didn't realise you had stuff sent to the club. That's insane. Yeah, so then, yeah, it's just, and I look back on it, you know, obviously it's, it's my fault. I should have actually she was all right, things like that. That's one thing looking back, I should have actually done uh, different. But this, the time, all these things trying to get the ball, just you know, and, and again. It, doesn't look like that, but my conscience is, is, is clear. <laughs> You're exonerated <laughs> now. <laughs> no worries. We won't, we won't yeah. write to the club anymore. Um, <laughs> I, and, I, and finally, the last question is from Mark Riley. Um, and his, he says, do, do you, like most fans, kind of feel like you left Cardiff maybe a season too early? Uh, maybe, yeah. It's just things are just, I wouldn't feature in. I wasn't featuring at all, really. So I had a decision to make. I wasn't, it wasn't an easy one. I remember, actually, it was, again, it was Solskjaer. Just, I was actually in the gym, and he, he approached us in the gym. You know, <laughs> I had this conversation in his office, but he just sort of... No, I think it was actually squatting at the time when he told us. He was just like, you're in the same position as you were last season. He just sort of made a comment like that. Something weird, he just said something like, yeah, you've got all the same players that we did last season, so you're in the same boat. I was just like, uh, that, yeah. I, funny. I, I said to my agent, I don't think you, I don't think you'll be here for that long. When came in straight away, uh, offered a loan, and I was just like, uh, it, yeah, it wasn't an easy decision, but I just wanted to play football. I, could, I could really, yeah. 
really somebody who struggled if I wasn't playing. So, um, yeah, I just thought, you know, I've just got to go for it. I've got to just get, go and play football. But again, that never worked out the boat as well. So, yeah, looking back, maybe should have just stuck out. Maybe just said, you know, fight my way back into the team. But it wasn't to be. Thanks to Kevin McNaughton once again for joining us on View from the Ninny. And, and I guess the, the kind of takeaways from that interview, you kind of consider just, just how much he saw while he was at the club. You know, there were League Cup finals, FA Cup finals, playoff finals, the rebrand, a kind of two or three different chairmen, two or three different managers, a kind of end of an era with Dave Jones leaving for Malky Mackay. And he, he kind of had three or four different kind of careers in one at Cardiff, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And you could sense the disappointment as well of like the nearly misses in the cup the cup finals, the the promotion that didn't come under Dave Jones and you know yeah. the and the circumstances when we finally did go up wasn't quite as sweet as it probably could have been for Kev. But you know, it shows how spoiled we are as fans during that era as well. Of yeah. that, like four four trips to Wembley. Yeah. It, you know, madness. Some clubs dream of just going once in their lifetime and you know, that was when I was first getting into football as well. And getting four trips to Wembley is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's, 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 it's ridiculous, really, when you look back at it. And also the kind of players that you played with in that era, you would have had Bellamy, you know, even stories of Trevor Sinclair and all that kind of stuff. You forget people like Trevor Sinclair played for the club because they were overshadowed by people like Hasselbank and, and, and Fowler. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad the names I played for our club. And like, yeah. it became the norm, didn't it? Just having big signings. I know, granted, some of them at the end of their career, but... They, they are huge, huge footballers. Well, Robbie Fowler went back to the Premier League after us, didn't he? He went back to Blackburn and, and gave it another go. And, you know, the, their, their career says it all, really. Yeah. Lucky us, eh? Yeah, lucky us. So, um, yeah, if you enjoyed that, obviously subscribe to the podcast and, and um, wait for more episodes from us. I think we've got a few ideas of, of what's going to come next. So we'll, uh, we'll keep you informed. But, Tom, thanks once again for joining. Thank you for letting me get involved, mate. And thanks for listening to The View from an Indian. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and...